Good morning, everyone. I'm going to be speaking a little bit more about the wilderness. I spoke a while back about it and um, kind of related some of my own wilderness experiences. And today I thought I would expound more on some scriptures in regard to the wilderness and how Jesus faced the wilderness and how he received that. First of all, I'm going to go to Luke, but then I... Before I do that, I'm going to give the definition of a wilderness. A wilderness is a remote environment devoid of all outward appeal, hope, or comfort. It is a hostile place where few would willingly go. So most of us actually would resist going into a wilderness, yet that is exactly where God sent his son. And as we read, I'll bring out those scriptures. Um, Luke 4 and 1 is where God, uh, the Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. So it was the very Holy Spirit of God that, that led him to that place. But there's so much more about the wilderness. Let's just bring out some more scriptures about it and look at it just a little bit closer. Um, before Jesus began his public ministry, John baptized him in the Jordan River. And, and as he came up out of the water, the voice of God spoke audibly from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. Now that was in Luke three twenty-two. Simultaneously, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in that moment in the form of a dove, empowering him for service. So you might assume that Jesus, Jesus, because he was Jesus, would immediately go into public ministry, but this was not the case. As it says, and as, as I did read just a minute ago, I'll read it again, Luke 4 and 1, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. Jesus embraced this barren setting as a positive rather than a negative experience for him. But we need to look uh, closely at the truth of his example and consider whether we too will allow God to use our time spent in that wilderness place as a means of knowing him in a greater measure. Um, in Luke 4, verses 40 through 42, the Bible says, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them, and devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place. So here Jesus voluntarily returned again and again to the wilderness after healing the multitudes and bringing deliverance to the oppressed. In Luke 5, 15 and 16, it says, But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. 
And note it says in verse 16, he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. So when when Jesus' fame spread abroad, he again headed for that sanctity of the wilderness. He understood the need to establish God as his sole source of strength, and this would continually give God all the glory and give God all the honor. Many of us, I don't believe, want to embrace what, what Jesus is clearly showing us here, that the wilderness is not to be avoided, but rather should be accepted and it should be understood. So as a believer, we need to ask ourselves the question, why did Jesus keep going back to such a harsh and uninviting place? Excuse me. Could it be that God was revealing something of his strength there? Was Jesus receiving hidden treasure from God, which the natural mind maybe could not comprehend? I believe that God wants to bring you and me to a place where we can begin to understand why we go through hard times. In the Bible, there are many examples that illustrate what God can accomplish in the wilderness places and in our trials through the troubles that we do go through. So when Israel was held captive in Egypt, God said to Moses, You must go straight to the king of Egypt and tell him. This is in Exodus. The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us go on a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. That's in Exodus 3, verse 18. So here, three days into this bone-dry countryside was far enough for them to be out of reach from everything which bound them or offered creature comforts of any kind. Little did they know that it would become a place of incredible worship and provision for them. Here they would witness God's might as he fought for them and gave them a great deliverance. Pharaoh, who represents natural man, only saw a weak beggarly people trapped in the desert, confused and directionless. That's what he saw. He he instructed his commanders to gather together the chariots and the weapons to go after them. In Exodus 14, uh, in, this is out of the NLT version of the Bible. They are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Now, Pharaoh wrongly interpreted what God was doing with his chosen people. He could not see God in the wilderness. In the end, he and his immense host of horsemen were defeated in the Red Sea, and the Israelites triumphed. Now, we all know that. All of us that have read the Bible know that victory in the Red Sea. So if you or we look only with our natural vision, the wilderness can seem like this place uh, that's unlikely. It's an unlikely looking place to go find God. But if you choose to avoid the wilderness, you're never going to know the supernatural pathways that are revealed there. In the wilderness, God gave his people the assurance their sins were forgiven. 
In the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, the priest killed a goat as a sin offering and sprinkled its blood upon the Ark of the Covenant. And then the priest took a second goat called the scapegoat, placed his hands on its head, and confessed the sins of the Israelites. A strong man was then selected to take the scapegoat, which now bore the sins of the people and released it into a desolate area. And in this desert place, and you can check out Leviticus chapter 16, in this desert place, God dealt with the sins of the people in the same way God uses your wilderness experience to go after hidden or or even unacknowledged sins in you. In his mercy, he takes us there, not to harm us, but to deliver us. In the wilderness, God displayed his awesome power to provide for his people. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, it's, It is manna, for they, they wist not what it was. They didn't know what it was. And, and Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. In Exodus 16, manna appeared in a place with no There were no grocery stores. There were no fast food places. There were no delis. There were no restaurants. The people had to depend on God for their daily sustenance, period, to live. If ever we needed to lay hold of the truth that God provides for every need, it's now. The Lord has promised to care for us, so allow him to take care of you, to to place you or, or, or to a place where your only resource is him. And that would be a wilderness for sure. Remember, Jesus fed the multitudes. He fed them on a hillside in a desolate area. And he'll do the same for you. God trains us up in the wilderness. As we look at David's life, the, the youngest son of Jesse, he was given the task of of tending the family's sheep while David watched the flocks grazing in the wilderness God taught him to trust him and when the sheep were attacked by a bear and they were attacked by a lion God enabled David to deliver the lambs out of the mouths of these beasts but then later when David visited his brothers on the battlefield he could not understand why they were letting an evil giant named Goliath belittled the armies of the living God. His brothers prided themselves on being men of stature with all the right training and all the right experience. While David was kind of looked down upon as just a common herder, his, his brothers actually accused him of weakness because he was not formally trained in the art of warfare as they were. See Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 17. So his older brother said to him, you don't have the armor we possess and you have not had the training that we completed. All you've been doing is caring for animals in the wilderness. So they couldn't comprehend that God was in the wilderness with David. They could not understand that in the wilderness, David found his strength. He found his confidence in God. David picked up five stones and with God as his source of strength confronted and he killed Goliath as his brothers looked on. 
to their amazement, they saw God use a common herder, a common sheep herder to defeat an enemy which had terrorized the entire army of Israel. You may not understand it now, but what God is teaching you in the wilderness will enable you to bring down your giants in the future. King Saul's jealousy drove David into the wilderness, but there God raised up up a small army of discarded men who were in debt, they were in distress, they were discontented in every way. And then under David's leadership, God made these men into mighty warriors. And what could have been a, a wasted time of frustration in this young man's life, turned into triumph. God used David's time in the wilderness to produce steel in in the lives of these men who otherwise would have been powerless. So try to grasp the full significance of every difficulty God allows in your life because through him he will he will shape you into a mighty man or woman who knows how to trust God in the dark days that lie ahead of us. You're being made into a warrior for his kingdom. Your struggles are not wasted with God. In time, you're going to look back and know that without the wilderness experiences in your life, you could never have accomplished what he has designed for you to accomplish. And then as we look at the, um, in Hosea, we see this, this pattern of how God deals with people when they have strayed from the truth or from his purposes. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, and let me go ahead and read that. Um, For their mother hath played the harlot, she that conceived them hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers and give me my bread, that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she... Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then was it better with me than now. For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. That was Hosea chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. So the wife referred to in the passage of the scripture was the was diverted from her true source of provision and then sought help elsewhere. Instead of seeking God, she had focused all her attention on this world, and, and that is Baal worship. Amen? That is not serving God for sure. God wants you to trust him alone. He's a jealous God for all your needs and, and not seek answers in the, in the powers and institutions of this world or this day and this age. There will be no lasting peace or joy if you trust in those, these, and those systems and not in the Lord your God. 
in uh, Hosea chapter 2, it goes on to say, Therefore behold, verse 14 and 16, Therefore behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope, and she shall, shall sing there as in the days of her youth, and as in the day when she came out of the land of Egypt, and it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi, and shalt call me no more Bali. So God is saying, you know what? I'm going to bring my bride into the wilderness and speak to her there. I will take her far away from the clamor, from the noise, and from all those voices and from all those things which distracted her. There in the wilderness is where I'm going to talk to her tenderly and give her vineyards in the Valley of Acre. So the Valley of Acre was where Achan... If, if anybody remembers that story, and those of you who've read the Bible know, Achan was a covetous man, was judged soon after Israel, entered into Canaan, and then after the victory of Jericho, Achan was so overcome by the love of gold, silver, brass, and clothing that he stole these things and he hid them under his tent. And his greed, his greed brought weakness into the entire camp of Israel and God's people were defeated at Ai because of this. They were defeated by an insignificant army. Achan and all that pertained to him were removed from the camp and Achan was put to death. So Achan is a type of, of um, captivating sin that can lead you or I astray from the purposes of God. But God in his mercy will take you to a wilderness where the strongholds that have captivated your heart are dealt with. So in your wilderness, he will say, these things have gripped you for far too long. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will set you free. So God does not lead you into the wilderness to harm you. He leads you there to completely depend on him. The, the dry places will bring you into a deeper intimacy with him. And you will no longer view him as being far away from you. You will come to know him in closeness. And find out that he's closer even as, as the Bible says, he is, he's, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And, and he's in, in confidence. He will teach you those things and show you those things. Your relationship will be a different, more intimate one. And you will call him husband instead of master. So through the hard times, he will strengthen you by removing those areas that produce weakness in us. His desire is for the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through our lives and the life of the church. God does this so his glory can be made known to the world. God knows that in the wilderness you will turn to him. He knows that. Know his heart and walk with him. Just as the bride of Christ. So then the Bible says in those days, it says in Matthew 3 verse 1, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. In the wilderness John was schooled by the Lord and the word of God came into his heart. 
And by the time he came out of the desert, he was anointed. He was anointed. He was empowered by God through the powerful preaching of this man. God was able to confront an entire backslidden religious system. Because why? Because John had heard the word of God in the wilderness. And then in Psalm 74, 14, the scripture tells us that the spoils of victory or the crushing of the head of Leviathan will be given as meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. So in other words, the meat or food that will sustain you will be the knowledge and the revelation that Satan is a defeated foe. His head was crushed when Christ defeated him on Calvary. And the word of God says that the triumph of that victory will be given to those, will be given to those who have been drawn by God into the wilderness. It's a it's a wisdom which will be revealed to those who do not shut, do not shun, do not shut the door to the desert place. Do not shun the difficult places that embrace, but embrace them. Those are the places that we need to embrace. And that sounds backwards. It sounds, you know, but let me, let me remind you, the Bible says that God's ways are not our ways. Our, our ways are not his ways. His ways are higher than our ways. So we've got to understand that God does not do things the way that we do them or the way that we think they should be done. His ways are higher than our ways. So you and I are about to meet in the wilderness. We are about to meet with Christ there. And very soon the whole church is going into the wilderness. However, the true church will not stay there, but will come out in the strength of God. Hear me on that. They, the true church will not stay in the wilderness, but will come out in the strength of God. Solomon saw this truth when he wrote, Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness, leaving, leaning upon her beloved? Song of Solomon, verses 8, or chapter 8, verse 5. So in closing, it's going to be the bride made up of people like you and me who have learned to lean on Christ for everything, everywhere, no matter where we are, this will be a testimony to all. There is a bride in this generation who will come up out of the wilderness leaning upon her beloved. Hallelujah.